0: And I had the whole front dash torn apart, big, big uh, vehicle, and I was focused on fixing this problem that was at hand, and it was also bring your son to work day. Anybody ever experienced that, you know? Uh, I had a little feller at that time. He would have he been about two, and and, uh, and so he was with me that day, and, and he was about halfway back in, in this big bus, and he was content, he was playing on a tablet. He, I had not heard from him for a few minutes, and so I decided to check on him, like every good dad does, you know, like every 30 minutes or so, just look up and make sure he's alive and breathing. I'm kidding, it was more often than that, about every 25 minutes. Um I decided to check on him. I hadn't heard from him in a few minutes. And I, I hollered back at the back of the bus, say, hey Jackson, how you doing? And I didn't hear an answer. Uh, I got up from my project. I had this 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 dash completely taken apart. And I went to the to the middle of the bus where he was. And to my surprise, there's no Jackson. I looked up and down the aisles of the bus. When I didn't see him on the bus, I immediately ran off the bus and I started looking for him. If you've ever driven through Russellville, uh, Russellville First Assembly is this big spaceship looking building that is right on the highways, 30,000 cars traveling by every single day, a five-lane uh, highway, and uh, the church was on one side, the highway was on the other, a KFC was on the other, and then the opposite direction from the highway is this neighborhood that I wouldn't ask my, neighbor, my enemies to live in. By the time that I made it around the bus, And my truck that was parked close by, I began running up and down the street. If you've ever lost your kid, you know what I'm talking about. I was in full-blown panic mode. I was screaming at the top of my lungs, Jackson! My my vision was beginning to, to tunnel in just a little bit as I thought about everything that could be wrong. I was mostly thinking about how my wife would never forgive me for losing our son, you know? I was desperate to find him. I was scared because I'd never been in a situation like this before. I feared absolutely the worst. I feared he was kidnapped. I feared he'd been ran over. I was running up and down the street like a madman. I was in the middle, in the very center of a moment in which I didn't know what to do. It's possible that you've experienced a moment in which you didn't know what to do. It's possible that you've survived a major loss or death of a close one, a friend or relative. It's possible that you've lived through a moment where you had zero choice but to trust Jesus. And let me pause and just say, it would be difficult for me to go down this line of thinking this morning without thinking about Taylor and the past week and a half for the entire foster family. And though though this message could and and does apply to Taylor's situation, I truly believe this message is for someone else here today. It's possible that you have not even faced your worst day yet. You will likely experience greater loss in your future. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but it's possible. You will likely be faced with the decision to trust Jesus like you have never trusted Him before. Where you come to this decision where I trust God or I rely on myself. And we think going into situations like that, that we know what our answer will be. But sometimes moments that test us and try us reveal really our decision making when it comes to trusting God or trusting ourselves. There were two sisters in the Bible that faced a similar situation. Their response to their brother's devastating sickness and ultimate death gives us insight into what to do when you don't know what to do. You may know who I'm talking about. The story is found in John chapter 11. Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They were very close friends of Jesus. They're mentioned several times. John tells us that Mary is the one who anointed Jesus with an expensive perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Mary is known for sitting in the presence of Jesus while Martha was busy cleaning and preparing. Y'all remember that story? They knew Jesus very well and Jesus knew them very well. They're facing a situation that they've never been in before. The sickness of their brother, Lazarus, Mary and Martha are distraught. You can imagine Lazarus is their backbone. He's their support, probably their financial support. He's their friend. When nobody else is around, they grew up together. It's who they counted on and they loved dearly. This guy is deathly ill and they're scared, much like the day that I lost my son. This morning, I want to answer the question, what was their response to the worst day of their lives? The real question, though, that I want to ask you this morning is, what will your response be on the worst day of your life? Can I go there? That'd be all right. Thank you, Lord, for this moment and time. I pray that I could answer this question clearly, that you would. Enunciate your spirit through me, Lord, that you would convey this message for someone here this morning as we learn what it looks like to respond on the worst day of our lives in Jesus name. Amen. Mary and Martha, worst day of their life and their initial response is prayer. John eleven three. Says So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. Their very first response, the very first thing that that we hear from them in this story upon learning about the sickness of Lazarus is we got to talk to Jesus. What a proper response this morning whenever they were in the middle of a terrible situation. They got a message to the one person, the only person that could literally do something about their situation. They didn't get on social media and ask for the opinions of people who don't know them or care. They didn't consult with their inner circle of friends and say, what do you think I should do in this moment? They didn't read a book. They didn't poll an audience. They didn't Google. What do you do? when you don't know what to do. They went straight to Jesus. On January 2nd, 2023, an NFL football player named Damar Hamlin went into sudden cardiac arrest in the middle of a football game. Anybody remember that? It was incredible what happened. Do you remember what happened in that moment? The whole world started calling for prayer. The whole world stopped As they were watching this game and began to pray for DeMar Hamlin. Commentators suddenly believed in the power of prayer. Why is that? Why would people who don't go to church, who don't confess to be Christians, stop in the middle of a really, really bad day on the worst day of DeMar Hamlin's life and begin to ask people to pray? Why is that? It's because our Creator built inside of every human being, a never-ending need to rely on Him as the source for everything. And I'm going to tell you, it's not just seeking His hand, but it's seeking His face. Not just what He can do for us, but to be in His presence, to be to be in the trusting and peaceful presence of Almighty God. That is what God put inside of us, and anything other than that, trying to meet the need with anything else will always leave us in Empty and void. I don't believe for a second that Mary and Martha only reached out to Jesus because they hoped he would heal Jesus, uh, heal Lazarus. I don't think that that was the only reason that they called on Lazarus. I mean, called on Jesus. I'm going to get it right here in a second. They called on Jesus because when they were in his presence, there was a peace that everything was going to be okay. They loved being around Jesus because they understood when you're in the presence of Almighty God, it doesn't matter if everything goes wrong, everything's going to be okay. It wasn't them seeking Jesus because they needed a miracle. They needed his presence more than anything. They needed his peace and his guidance and his love and his His, uh, just uncontrollable love for them. There was an understanding that Jesus held in His hands all power and all authority that had been given to Him by His Father. They knew that Jesus would be in control of every out-of-control situation that they might bring to Him. They recognized that Jesus literally was the answer. All my Sunday school nine-year-olds answering the question, yes, this time you can say the answer is Jesus. They recognized he was the answer. He was the solution. There was comfort when he was in the room. There was an expectation that when they were in the presence of the Son of God, that everything was going to be okay. I want to challenge you this morning to realize that prayer is simply putting trust in God for your life. It doesn't require some magical, mythical amount of words or in the right order. It, at its very core, prayer is simply trusting God for what we cannot control ourselves. And I would dare say there's nothing that we should try to control ourselves. You don't need the Holy Spirit to be a Christian. You need a Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. <laughs> you know? You need the Holy Spirit to raise kids. You need the infilling and the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit just to make it any day of the week. And that's simply what prayer is all about, is trusting God. Understanding there's a need to rely on a greater power and a greater being than yourself. It's an awareness, listen, that without him, we're not going to make it. So I want to challenge you when you don't know what to do. I know this seems simple and elementary, but you should pray. Secondly, I see in this story with Mary and Martha, they respond and I'm challenging you to respond with a pause. That doesn't seem very fitting in the middle of my worst day. John chapter 11 verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for two days. Oh, man. I just, if I were, if I were Mary and Martha, I would just, there's probably something inside of me (laughs) that would just want to rise up and say, Jesus, what are you thinking? (laughs) I want you to notice that Jesus stayed where he was for two more days. After receiving this message, they waited for Jesus to show up in their situation. They anticipated his response. They anticipated his arrival. And in the meantime, they paused. They didn't seek other solutions. They didn't look for other options to heal Lazarus. Their eyes were looking down the road for their friend Jesus. For him to appear in the distance because their hope was on him. Even if they had to pause for a moment to see the healing. Their hearts waited in anticipation for the one who answers their questions. The one who is the solution to their problems. Waiting on God after praying again involves trust. <laughs> Listen, we live in a very right now moment. Right I mean, I've heard it said all my life from the great evangelists: we, we are serving a, 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 an oven kind of God, a crock pot kind of God, living in a microwave world. You know, like we want it right now, right then. That kind of trust isn't natural. You don't just wake up every single day saying, OK, Lord, today I will wait on you to show up in your sovereign way. When and how you want to. That's not natural, is it? Somebody, come on, tell me the truth. It's a, a hope that the solution you can't see is still on the way. As the prophet Isaiah spoke, those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Let me let me explain this waiting process, though, this pause. It's not just sitting on your rear end, passing the time by. It's not just aimly looking off into the future and waiting for someone or something to arrive. This waiting is an action verb in a sense. It's an active anticipation that the Lord is going to show up. It's remembering that His ways are higher than ours. It's remembering that He's never lost a battle. It's remembering that God is always on time. He doesn't work the same way that we work. And when we try to put him in a box, let me tell you, that is the most dangerous thing that you can do for a God that was never designed to be in a box. He will bust your box wide open. If you've trusted Jesus with your life, meaning that you have salvation in Jesus, according to Paul in writing Romans, he says in chapter 5 of Romans, That he showed up at just the right time and died for you while you were still a sinner. While you were powerless to do anything for yourself about your sin problem, Jesus was already working out the solution. Before the foundations of the world were even created, Jesus was already working on you and he showed up at just the right time in your situation. He's already standing in the gap on your behalf. And while you're waiting on the answer in your crisis, Jesus has already worked it out. While you're pausing and waiting on Him to show up, He's already won the victory on your behalf. While you were still in your mother's womb, Taylor, He was laying out a master plan for your life, including your highs and your lows, the good days, the bad days, the moments of plenty and the moments of lack. I'm here to tell somebody, it's time for you to put your trust in God. Even if you don't see Him actively working on your behalf, he's aware of your situation and he's not caught off guard that's not the kind of God we serve he's coming down the road life may not be going the way you planned it but he's on his way with the solution if your trust is still completely and totally in him what we see next in this story reminds me of an old Christianese word the word prevail Anybody in the household enough to hear that word regularly in church? It means to press in with your prayers until you see an answer. John eleven twenty 20 and 21, the Bible says, When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Mary said to Jesus, when she gets to him, I don't think she said it in this calm, cool, collected hey, Jesus. If you would just been here, my brother would not have died. <laughs> I believe there was some emotion in it on that day. I believe that Jesus's heart was touched by the emotion of, her, of his friend. I believe that she came to him and said, Jesus, listen, if you had only been here, if you would have just, just answered, you've you got to hear me right now, Jesus. You've got to hear me right now you got to you got to hear my heart. While Jesus was on his way, Mary or Martha ran to, to meet him. He pleads, She pleaded with him. Her brother has died. She's upset. She's standing in the gap for Lazarus. She's desperate for a reason why Jesus allowed her to go through this pain. She's searching for how this situation is going to work together for her good. And then verse 32, Mary comes and has the same conversation. She pleads with Jesus. She's praying that there is another answer. She's questioning Jesus as to why he let this happen. Can I remind someone today that God is not afraid of your questions or your doubts? He's not scared by your uncertainty. And this is why. Because every quest to truly seek the truth ends in finding the truth about Jesus That he's still on the throne. He's still the beginning and the end. He's still the creator of the universe. He still has all power and authority in his hands. He can't fail. He can't lose. He still loves. He still cares. He still meets us at our point of need. Mary and Martha are still in pain in this moment. Do you know why I'm sharing this story from Mary and Martha's perspective? Let's just get real for a second. Because we can identify with them more than anybody else in this story we can't identify with jesus very well because well we're not jesus <laughs> we're not god we can't take on the perspective of lazarus very well either because well in this story in this moment he's dead more than likely more than likely i'll say it in here no one has uh, how can i say this ever been dead before It's a possibility. That's why I said it's a possibility. It's in verse 23, and I want you to get this because this is the real crux of this message. It's in verse 23 in the following verses that we realize that Mary and Martha and Lazarus's story is for God's glory. Jesus is working through the pain of their situation. To reveal that he has ultimate authority even over death itself. He declares to them that he's the resurrection and the life. And when we learn to continue to trust God, even when his answer is different than we imagined, we have learned to prevail Our pleading with him turns to him leading us in the direction that brings the most glory for him. I want to declare it to somebody. Your story is for his glory. Somebody say it with me. My story is for his glory. Say it with me. My story is for his glory. My story is for his glory. Last year was one of the toughest years for the Andrews family. On January 5th, I found myself praying that God would save my mom. She had been in a serious car accident and left her with a fractured sternum, three fractured ribs. She was in a ton of pain, punctured lung. I didn't have it on my calendar that day to make a hasty drive to the hospital two hours away. It was on that day I didn't anticipate the phone call that she had been hurt, but I prayed and I trusted God the whole way there. After understanding how the accident happened, I went and looked at the car. I began to understand that even if a couple of variables were different, I would have been preparing for my mom's funeral sermon that week instead of, instead of church that week. But God used her story for his glory. She's alive today because God wasn't done with her. She still struggles to breathe from time to time, but she has breath in those lungs, which means she's been mandated to praise the Lord. I'll briefly share the rest of this. Ten days after her car accident, Lindsay, my wife, suddenly became very ill with um, an illness called bacteremia. It's a it's infection in the blood. And she was also diagnosed with endocarditis, which is infection in the heart. We too had a couple of hospital stays, and we came way closer to death that week than I I ever care to be again. My parents and my grandfather's house were in the path of the tornado and wind on March 31st. Just another opportunity for the Lord or for the devil to take them away. My mom had kidney cancer that was revealed the day of her accident. She had that cancer removed. My dad had two surgeries within the same month and my mom. My grandfather suffered from a a massive heart attack in October, followed by bypass surgery. The list goes on and on and on. Those are just the highlights of 2023. But we learned through all of that, that Jesus is always in control. He never forgot us. He never left us. He always had a plan. There was always a reason. And it's because our story leads to his glory. Once Jesus got on the scene, I'll wrap this story up. He had one simple request of the people there. He said, remove the stone. This may seem like a simple task, but it went against everything that made sense in that day. But he was asking for them to prepare for a miracle. The scene was set. Dead men in the grave. A stone separates them. Jesus was asking something of them that didn't make sense in the natural, but would lead to the supernatural. He spoke clear directions to them that would lead to the revelation of his glory and the answer to their situation. The people came up with excellent reasons to not move the stone. They said, hey, Jesus, he stinks. Don't you know that? He's been in there for four days. Jesus says, this is your preparation for a miracle. Move the stone so that I can move this mountain called death. And I'm just going to say this. There's going to come a day amid your storm. God may speak to you and ask you to do something that doesn't make sense in the natural. There may be a part of your situation that leads to your obedience to trust him differently. But I'm challenging you to trust Jesus as he leads you, even if it doesn't make sense. If you're wondering how the rest of my lost son's story went, it went something like this. I'm at the end of the block. I'm screaming my head off. I can still see the, 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 the stop sign at the corner of Boston and G Street. I'm praying that God would help me. I'm standing at that intersection right there. And I hear God's voice say, go back to the bus. I'm away there. I'm thinking that's where I started, God. He's not there. I've already looked there. And just as I was stepping onto the bus, I looked to my left and in my truck parked right next to the bus in the passenger seat. My two year old son somehow got into my truck and was sitting in the passenger seat of my truck, just as content as all could be. I was relieved, obviously. (laughs) Understatement. The conclusion of this story in John chapter 11, it ends abruptly, but if you go on and you read just a little bit learn more, you learn that this single miraculous act brought so much attention to Jesus that the religious leaders decided no more messing with Jesus. We're done. We just got to take him out. It was the tipping point They'd had enough of Jesus and his miracles. He received a ton of recognition and glory in the middle of Mary and Martha's pain. And I just want to ask this morning, will you allow God to use your story for his glory? Will you walk through your worst day completely trusting him for the outcome when the day comes that you don't know what to do, will you pray and wait and pray some more and ultimately prepare for what God has for you? Will, will your unnatural trust in a supernatural God lead others around you to a relationship with God? Will, will he still be glorified through your life, even if the outcome isn't what you planned? Will you allow your story to make Jesus famous? Your story for his glory. I want you to stand with me, if you will, for just a moment. If there's somebody who wants to play, if not, we'll just have this moment in silence. I had, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but Shelly brought it up a few minutes ago before service. And in 2015, I faced at that point the worst uh, struggle of my life. Um, I was diagnosed with shingles in my cranial nerves if you understand what crane, what what uh shingles is it's a, a very uh, a very tough virus on the nerves and i had it in in the two two of my cranial nerves one that goes across the top of the head and one that branches out across the face It's the worst pain of my life to that point point. and um i had been dealing i was just debilitated i was in bed one night I was just praying and just asking God why am I going through this Lord I have one of these moments like Mary and Martha having where I don't understand I'm trying to figure it out I'm trying to figure out what this what the outcome is what what it what is the purpose for this what is the reason that I'm walking through this God I don't want to be in pain The doctor, the neurologist called them ice pick headaches, aptly described, perfectly described. And I remember laying in bed that night asking that question, God, why am I walking through this? Why am I hurting? And instead of a response of a statement or a declarative sentence, the Lord spoke to me back in a question. And he said, do you trust me? That night was a defining moment in my life. Nine years ago this month. A defining moment in my life where I learned how to trust God like I had never in my life trusted him. And every day since, I have put an uncanny amount of trust in his life. It's the kind of trust that allows me to be here preaching when I don't know what's going on with my wife at home. So I'm going to ask you, I want you to close your eyes, if you will, just for a moment. And I'm going to ask for your faith to rise up in in just a moment. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to just sweep down in this place and just do something that only he can do. But if you're here today and you want to be able to trust God. Like you have never trusted him before, where your immediate response to the worst day of your life is to pray, to pause and prevail. And ultimately, praise. If that's you, I just want you to get out of your seat. I want you to come to this altar. If if you are, even if you've made this declaration before, but you're saying at this moment, Lord, I just want to one more time reconfirm. I trust in you. I trust in you, God. Would you get out of your seat and would you just come and would you just make this place an altar where you sacrifice your preferences, where you sacrifice your 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 unwillingness to trust him, maybe where you sacrifice your own desires to control the situation yourself, maybe where you lay down at this altar, you sacrifice your future and your will and and what you want to happen in your life and where you say, God. As Abraham did with Isaac, laid on the altar, prepared to sacrifice him because the Lord spoke to him out of obedience. He was willing to put the knife to his son. Would you this morning find a place, find a spot, find an altar where you're willing to lay at the altar and put to death your own, your own stubbornness, your own, your own pride. Your own unwillingness to allow God to walk you through your worst day. And if you're here in this room, let me just speak specifically to one person. You're here in this room and you say, Ben, I I haven't had too many bad days. I don't anticipate I will have any bad days. This message sounds like doom and gloom and sounds like you're trying to prepare me for a bad day. We live in a fallen world, and we live with an enemy that wants to steal, to kill, and destroy. The likelihood of you facing the devil or facing the natural consequences of a fallen world, one of the two, is highly likely in your life. And if your pride and your arrogance is keeping you from submitting to the will of God in this moment, my prayer is even greater for you that you will not just submit yourself to God's plan, but that you'll humble yourself before him, that you'll recognize that he is the source, that he is the source. And when that day comes, Lord, I pray that every person in this room under the sound of my voice, maybe those watching online, will have already decided that they will put their trust in you. Father, thank you for those who've responded and thank you for those who in their hearts are responding, who are laying down themselves and simply picking up a trust in you like they have never had before. And we will praise you for it in Jesus name.